0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. My name is Daniel, for those of you who don't know. And uh, yes, welcome. Welcome everybody who's watching online as well. We uh, welcome you to our church and it's going to be an amazing morning. This morning we're going to talk about a, a really, really important topic. Um... One of the most important factors in the kingdom of God. Interested to know who that is and what that is? Yeah? yeah? Alright. So what I'm going to get you to do at home as well, if you can, and obviously here, we'll get you to close your eyes and I want you to picture a couple of things for me. So I want you to picture yourself winding up a rocky hill and... Um, it's only a small track and as you're walking up, you're taking your time because all the rocks are moving under your feet and at times you're actually having to grab certain sections of the, of the path in front of you just to get yourself up. Um, you, you come to a bit of a flat spot so you turn your back and you have a look over the view and, and all you can see is sort of cliffs and rock faces and shraggy trees and shrubs and, and you know, bits and pieces growing through the rocks. So you turn yourself back to the track and you keep on pushing up the hill um, and then you're only on the, on, the, on the track a couple of more moments and then you break into this big, open, grassy field. It's the most amazing view surrounded by mountains and lush green grass and you stand there for a moment just catching your breath, so excited to be at the top and so excited to know that that field is yours. Okay, open your eyes. The most important factor in the kingdom of God, one of the most important ingredients of the kingdom of God is you you are that field God has given you a life and one of the most important kingdom principles is that he gets to sow into your life and he, be able, he gets to reap out of that for the sake of his kingdom isn't that a powerful powerful understanding hey? so You are the most important factor in the kingdom of God because your life is that open field and God uses you to feed, to look after his kingdom. And God, whatever we cultivate in our own lives, that's what God uses to help other people. So God depends on the fruitfulness of our lives. Of course, he loves us beyond all of that, but he can only use us to the degree that that field, the field of our life is fruitful, you know? Listen to Hebrews we have got Hebrews 6 uh, verse 7 it says for the land that is drunk in the rain that often falls on it produces a crop useful for um, though useful to those who whose for sake it is cultivated i might start that again i eh? all right it says for the land that is drunk in the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for for whose sake it is cultivated i should have found a better um, better version But essentially what it's saying is that when the rain falls on that field, the field of your life, the purpose of that rain is for the people that the harvest is cultivated for. When was the last time that you saw an apple tree eating its own fruit? When was the last time you saw a wheat harvest sit there and just eat itself and think, oh, this is great, this is for me, I'll enjoy this? And I think this is probably one of the things that maybe we don't quite understand in the kingdom of God is that, your fruitfulness, the fruitfulness of your life, God uses that for others. He uses that to enrich the life of others. He uses that to um, better His kingdom, to strengthen His kingdom. So, the scripture goes on that it says, um, "Now, whoever is useful and does um, does bear fruit, he's blessed of the Lord. But anyone, but if it bears thorns, thistles." It is worthless and near to being cursed, and it is at the end to be burnt. And so another really important aspect, and we're going to soften that a little bit because it sounds quite harsh, but this is the thing. God needs us to understand our importance in the way that he outworks his will on the earth. One of the really important things to remember is God doesn't have a plan B. We are the body of Christ. We are how God outworks his desire and will on earth. Do you remember when Jesus walked around and he said the kingdom of the kingdom is here? The kingdom was here because Jesus came and he issued in um, the kingdom of God. He, he obviously did what he um, he sacrificed his own life for us so that we could then be connected to the Father. So that we could be in reconnection with God, the Godhead. So Jesus, as we know, is now um, at the right hand of the Father. And guess who he left behind to be the body of Christ? Us. And he doesn't have a plan B. And we're going to talk a little bit today about how we reap what we sow and the principles. But this is a real, real amazing and fundamental Christian principle. Biblical kingdom principle. That that we reap what we sow in our lives. And we can often see that as a negative, but it's actually a really amazing positive. It's one of the, if we understand it for what it really is, it's one of the most powerful things that we can understand. And it's this, you are vital to God's plans. Now, what the enemy tries to do is he tries to make us feel as though we're not vital. You might look at the guy next to you and go, oh, well, you know, hes he's got... More to do than I do, and I haven't got those gifts, and I haven't got those talents. And and as human beings, we tend to play down who we are, play down our importance, play down um, what we could possibly offer. But each and every one of us is an open field. And what God needs us to understand is that what we sow in that field is what we reap in that field. We want to talk a little bit about this, but essentially, if you sow. The promises of God, those things that God says about you, you will you will reap a harvest, and you will help people. But if we use our life and we sow into, or we think about, or we ruminate on the things that we are, just in our normal flesh, you know, we mightn't achieve all that much. You know, because the thing is, is that God didn't choose us because we're special and because we're amazing, and because we've got all the gifts and talents in the world, God chose us because he loves us. And our lives is an offering unto God. And we'll talk a little bit about how we actually bear fruit for him in his kingdom. But we are the field for those for whose sake it's cultivated. This is the way the kingdom of God operates. God uses the fruitfulness of our lives to help and enrich the life of others. What we need to understand, though, is whose responsibility it is to make sure that we bear fruit in that field. So that scripture goes on that says, so we talked about the fact, just before I get to that, we talked about the fact that it says that um, the rain that falls on the field, it's the expectation that when God brings a rain on that field, the field of your lives, that it would bear fruit. And then if it doesn't bear fruit, it's running the risk of of being uh, burnt. Essentially, it becomes useless. That open patty becomes useless. But listen to what it says next. It says, Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not in unjust so as to overlook the work and the love that you have shown for his name in the serving of the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And this is a real key about, about us bearing fruit. What are we sowing into that field, into the field of your lives? Are you sowing the promises of God? Are you sowing those things that that God says about you? Or are you sowing those things that you think about you? If you're anything like me, if I was sowing into my field what I thought about me, I would be pretty fruitless. There's limitations on our lives as human beings that God fully understands. But Jesus says that we can do all things in Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying? He's saying that if you sow into your life what I say about you, you can do all things. If you sow into your life what you think about you, you are going to have limitations. So whose responsibility is it to make sure that we bear fruit in our field? This is why Jesus always talks about the importance of a fruitful life because without it we miss our purpose. Our purpose isn't to be perfect for God. Our purpose is to take Him at His word. Our purpose isn't to have a perfect life where nothing goes wrong. Our purpose is to take those things that happen to us and and believe God when He says that all things will work out together for good. Our purpose is to hold on long enough, the Bible says, to bear fruit, to have a harvest in our life. A harvest of what? A harvest of what he says, of his desire. You know, we're, we're going to understand what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is a place where the king gets his way. So, bearing fruit for you and for me is that when God gets his way in our lives. You know what I mean? So, for if God had a desire, for instance, for you to love somebody. The only way that God can love a person on earth is through a person. Now we bear fruit when we love, like God. So God had a desire to love so-and-so, your next door neighbour, for instance, and then God uses us to love that person. God's desire was to love that person and God uses us to love that person. That is bearing fruit for God. So when Jesus says that um, He's brought the kingdom of God on earth, what He means to say is, the enemy had set up a kingdom on earth the bible says that he's the kingdom of he's the ki- the um prince of the air and he's the you know the king of this earth and then jesus came and he said not anymore i'm going to set up a kingdom and i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to create a place where god gets his will done i'm going to make sure that my father has his way in people's lives i'm going to start to destroy the works of the enemy but what we sometimes miss as christians is that He uses us to do it. That open field of your life, God takes people there to rest, to have them rest, to have them feed, to have them um, recuperate, to bless them. That field is your life. And God gets His way on earth through you. That's what it means to bear fruit. Listen to this other, this, this other scripture in Luke 13, and, and it talks again about the importance. Jesus is just driving home the importance of being fruitful. Um, in, he says, then Jesus tells his story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden, and he came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but, it was, but he was always disappointed. Finally, said to the gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's taking up space in the garden. And the gardener answered, Sir, give me one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertiliser. And if we get figs, figs next year, fine. But if not, then you can cut it down. Guys, Jesus really needs us to understand the importance of fruitfulness. When we think about the Scriptures, the Scriptures do two things. Firstly, It teaches us who God is, because without that, we don't know who God is. You know, We've all thought varying things about God in the past. One of the most amazing things that happened to me when I first became a Christian is I realised that God was way better than I thought he was. And when I first became a Christian, I had to learn that. It didn't come straight away, but God is way better than I thought he was. That is probably the most freeing revelation that I've had as a Christian. God is better than I thought he was. And every time I go into a situation that's hard, I think, God, you are better than I think you are in this. And, and I only know that through the Scripture. And so the first thing the Scripture does is it teaches us who God is. The second thing the Scripture does, guys, is it teaches us who you are. It teaches, it teaches you who you are to God. The responsibilities that we have as Christians to believe the best about ourselves in Christ. You know, when you think about the scriptures, isn't that what it's doing? And so when, when Jesus gives us a message here and he says, look, I'm really, really um, big on fruitfulness. And it's not as if he wants to extract everything from us and just to work us to the ground. We're going to talk a bit about that later. It's that he needs us to understand our importance in the kingdom. And to not understand your importance is only understanding 50% of the gospel message. The first half, again, is realising how amazingly God, how amazingly good God is. And a lot of us don't have a problem with that. But what about the other half? Realising how amazingly good you are. How amazingly fertile we are in regards to and powerful we are in regards to what we can accomplish for God on this earth. It's an amazing concept, one of the most important ones. So let's talk about how we bear fruit. So actually, let's talk about what it is to bear fruit. So the Bible says that we live in a fallen world where God, um, the God of this world is Satan, who works against the people of God. So the enemy wants his uh, way. God wants His way. Now Jesus, as we know, He said that I came to destroy the works of the enemy. And so Jesus said through Him, God's kingdom has now come, a kingdom of God on earth where His will could be done. Now through Jesus and His word, God sows in us what He would like to see on the earth. And bearing fruit is when it comes to pass through us. Whether it be the fruit of His nature, which is the fruit of the Spirit, or whether it be the fruit of his desires and actions. Bearing fruit is when we outwork the Father's will on earth. God doesn't have a plan B. We, you, you, are how God outworks his will. That's the way he gets it done. That's why you're so vitally important. That's why the enemy lies to you. That's why the Bible says, take every thought captive. That's why the Bible says you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible says that we're saved. There's no worries about that. And so if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Saviour and you've asked for forgiveness of your sins, the Bible says that you're forgiven. And there's not a problem there. But it says then we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Essentially what that's saying is that until we get up to speed with who we are in Christ there's a good chance that we might miss why we're here on earth. But to miss why we're here on earth is to miss the excitement and the understanding of who God wants us to be, and how we want to be and how God wants to use us. So bearing fruit is so essential as a Christian because it's not actually for us. It's for others. And then others bear fruit for us. And this is how God's kingdom works. Alright, so let's have a little talk about how it works. And this key scripture we're just about to read now, I think, is fundamental for what we're talking about this morning. Listen to what Jesus says about the parable of the sower. You guys might have heard this before. If not, um, this will be good. You'll get to understand. So listen to what Jesus says. In Matthew thirteen eighteen to 23, it says, Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown in the, among the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to somebody who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes or because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to somebody who hears the word and who understands it. This is the one that produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what is sown. We often sit back in our lives and we wonder where God is. You know? We often look for God in moments of pain and, and look for God in, in, in times of our lives and and we wonder where He is. And to a degree that's understandable. But what Jesus really wants us to understand is this is that we need to we need to know who we are right now. If God says, let's, let, let's give you a quick example. If Jesus says this, He says, My peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. I do not give as the world gives, so do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. So that's the seed of God's word. Jesus said that I give you peace. My peace I leave you, past tense, my peace I give you, past tense. But then He goes on and He says, I don't give as the world gives. So, in other words, I'm not going to take it off you just because you have a bad day. Right? But then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So what happens if we let our hearts be troubled and we be afraid? What do we do in those moments where we don't have peace? Do we pray for God to turn up and to rescue us and to give us peace? Or do we stand our ground and take Jesus at his word and and call on that peace that has already been given to us? That's what bearing fruit is. Bearing fruit is taking God at his word and standing your ground and not allowing anything to shift you. That's what Jesus means when he says that I'm going to say things and there's going to be four types of people. Some people are not going to even hear it, some people are going to hear it for a little bit, and then when the opposite seems to be happening, they're going to bail. Some people are going to hold on long enough, but then they're just going to eventually let the worries and the deceitfulness of wealth and all those things strangle out what looks to be a bearing plant, a plant that looks to be bearing fruit, looks to be going through the paces, but it's actually just never bearing any fruit. And then there's going to be people that bear much fruit. What we need to understand through this parable is it's not because God looks at your life and says, oh, well, look, I love that person more than I love that person. So I'm going to give that person more fruit than I'm going to give that person. That's not what this parable says. The parable says that to the degree that you stand your ground, to the degree that you believe what Jesus said about you, even though when you feel that's not the case. Anybody here felt as though they're not worth much in the past? Anybody here made mistakes and probably written yourself off? Anybody here um, filled with self-doubt and fear and all those things that can come against us? Well, let's just join the club. That's all of us. Those that bear fruit though, aren't those that never experienced that? Those that bear fruit that says, okay, this is how I feel, but what does Jesus say? My peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. I I do not give as the world gives, so do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Just a really quick example of what it means to actually stand our ground to bear fruit. What it actually means to partner with God when He says something. It's so important. Jesus talks about it all through the scriptures. And it's not just a New Testament principle either, Um, it echoes through the Old Testament as well. This is actually what faith is. Abraham was told for 25 years, 20 years, 25 years, that he was going to have a child. Now, I want want you to really hear this. This is really super, super important. There's a scripture in the Bible that's just so amazing, and it says that Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, and yet he believed anyway. Guys, faith is not about ignoring the things that we're going through. We're not talking about self-help here. Abraham was told by God that he was going to have his own child. And he, and he lived that and he walked that, had to walk that out for 20-something years. And it says, though, that he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. But he kept on believing God anyway. Now, we are the result sitting here of Abraham's faithfulness. Abraham bore fruit, not because he was great, not because he was powerful, not because God loved him more than other people, but because he took God at his word, even though he had to face the fact about the realities of his own life. If you today need to face the facts about the realities of your own life right now, whatever it might be, that's that's fine. Just don't let it dictate to you that that's all you are. Don't let it dictate to you that that's your future. When God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a future and a hope. If when we believe contrary to what God says, that's when we get into um, fruitlessness. When we start to fear, when Jesus says not to, we enter into fruitlessness. It's not as if God takes the field off us. It's not as if God takes his love away from us. But you can never bear fruit if you don't plant the seed. This is the principle of the Kingdom of God. Your life is an open field to sow into it whatever you will. But if you make the choice to sow into your life the words of God, the Bible says you will bear much fruit. But we have to understand the other reality if you're waiting for God to turn up and sprinkle fairy dust on your life and do all the amazing things that He says that He'll do in His Word, but you not believe in it, you believe in the opposite, you believe in what the enemy wants to tell you about your life, you believe in what your neighbour says or what your parents might have said or what your enemy says, the Bible says that you're going to be fruitless. And it's not because God doesn't love us. It's just a kingdom principle. He loves us that much. That he wants to partner with us to bring his promises to fruition. And the thing is, like I said before, he does not have a plan B. We're it. We are how he gets the job done. And that's an exciting thing. Listen to this. I love, I love Peter. You know I love Peter. Peter. Um, Peter 1, Peter 2. I love reading anything he's got to say because to a large degree... He's like us. He was a fisherman. He was just a tradie. He was just a bloke. How many mistakes did Peter make? I mean, he was the last one, wasn't he, out of everything that happened and everything Jesus did. Next thing you know, he's denying. He said, I'd never deny you, Jesus. Next thing you know, he's denying. Like, I mean, he's like us. But notice God still used him. He didn't write him off. Now, listen to what he's got to say. This is Peter. He says, By his divine power, God has given us everything, past tense, we need for a life, for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by the means of his marvellous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to, to share in his divine nature. And escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all of this, make every ep- effort to respond to God's promises. You don't think there's times in Peter's life where he needed to ignore who he was, ignore what he had done, and just hold on to the words that Jesus said? That's how Peter got through. One of the, another, I keep on saying this is this amazing part of Scripture. It's all amazing, of course. But, you know, I'm just about to tell you another amazing story in the Bible. Shock, horror. Peter. So it wasn't all that long ago that he had denied Jesus, which is probably one of the worst things you could do, isn't it? I mean, you know, like, short of being Judas, what Peter did was pretty ordinary as well. And so it wasn't all that long later, though, we see... Um, we see Peter with one of the other apostles, I can't remember who it was, and they're in the um, tabernacle or somewhere. I'm not doing really good telling this story, but they were in a place. And there was this fella, and he had never walked. You've heard the story. And Peter, goes, the, Peter walks up well, past him, and this guy goes, You know, give me some money. Peter looks at him and he says, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, what I do have, in Jesus' name, get up and walk. And everybody comes running over to Peter and, and, and he's you know, looking at him and they're thinking, okay, or whatever, and they run up to him and he says, why are you so amazed? Why are you looking to us as though it's by my power or my godliness that this thing got done? You're going to do amazing things for God, but it's not because you're amazing. It's because you believe in God who is amazing. The Bible says that we are living sacrifices. It's because we put everything that we are aside to believe in everything that he is. That's when you bear fruit. If you're waiting to bear fruit in who you are as a human being, you will be waiting a long time. But if you're waiting to bear fruit in who Jesus says he is, past tense, And what Jesus says about you, past tense. And what Jesus said he's given you, past tense. If you believe in that and you hold your ground, the Bible says, if you do not grow weary in doing good, you will reap a harvest. This is the kingdom principle. You reap what you sow. You can sow whatever you want to sow into your field, that field of your life. What, what, the, what the Scriptures are trying to tell you is how good God is, how willing He is to step into the problems of humanity, to step in the problems of your street, to step into the problems of your family, to step into the problems of your life and break it open for the better. But He needs somebody to believe He can do it. He needed Abraham to carry the promise long enough so that he could have the child. He needed David to carry the kingship long enough so that he could do what he had to do. Every single thing that's happened, New and Old Testament, somebody's had to carry it. Somebody's had to believe it before it came to pass. Are we willing? Are you willing to put aside all your weaknesses? All your mistakes? All your fear? All your doubt? Are you willing to trade that And give that up for what Jesus Christ says about you. Are you willing to say yes to Him today? You're willing to say yes to Him tomorrow and the next day and the next day because that's what it'll take. I'm not saying for a second that this thing's going to happen overnight, although it could. Generally, it takes time. There's a principle, another principle in the Bible that talks about seed, time and harvest. This is just a really simple, basic way for us to understand who we are in the kingdom of God. We're an open field. I just picture every single one of you guys and God just taking people by the hand into your field and go, go. There's kindness in there. There's love. There's peace. There's joy. There's generosity. If you need some money, I know a guy, this is God. If you need some money, I know a guy, he's really generous. He'll give you some, there he is. You know when we talk about tithing and you, and you often hear about people say that it's sowing into the kingdom? Your tithing, I'm not saying that when people say that it's wrong, but it's only half true. Your tithing is actually bearing fruit. God is bearing fruit from you when you tithe. Because you have taken the word of God and you've accepted it as truth, and you're outworking it. When somebody needs financial help, God's going to take them by the hand into your life, and you're going to help them. They're going to God's going to bear fruit through you, because you're generous. He's going to bear fruit through you because you're loving, because you're kind, because you're caring. That's what it means to bear fruit. What an amazing privilege we have to work with God in that. Listen to this. Ephesians, is are going to finish on this. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to Him who is able to carry out His purpose and do super abundantly more than we ever asked for, dare to think infinitely above our greatest prayers, hopes or dreams, according to His power that is at work within us. Does that sound good? But notice it says all of that happens based on His power working through us. He's going to do super abundant things through His kingdom, through His people in His kingdom. That's His plan. That's His purpose. He doesn't have a plan B. I believe that we're coming into a time as Christians where we understand that God is not a fairy. He's not a genie. He doesn't just give us what we want if we think about it long enough and hard enough and we pray long enough and we fast and we do all these things which are amazing things. But they're only amazing things coupled to the understanding that we, we play a massive part in holding on to the truths of God long enough to see Him come to pass prayer and the fasting is really just strengthening ourselves in God to see something come to pass that He's already put in us. Past tense. I've given you all things you need for life and godliness. We're going to finish. Lord, I just thank you so much. So grateful, Father, that you have given us, Lord God, your words so that we can understand how amazingly good you are. But also, Lord God, how amazingly important we are So, Father, we thank you for your grace today because it's only by your grace that we get anything done. We thank you for your enabling power. Lord God, I pray for these people, Lord God, and the people watching that this week, Lord God, you would so promise, Lord God, and you would give us the grace to hold on long enough to see your beautiful will come to pass. In Jesus' name.